two-dimensional uh, data points and as you can appreciate that tree is a nice way to hierarchically organize things so that if we implement this on top of the geographic information system then these bounding boxes if you search for some coordinate you know the bounding box within that surrounds everything within that subtree then you can do search uh, within this geographic uh, region. Today, uh, we will look at uh, priority queues, where we don't ask a membership is some key in the data or not. We just throw things into the collection, and the main operation that we always ask for is return me the key with the highest priority. So you throw in like a, into the queue, you don't fetch the earliest or the oldest element from the queue, but you fetch the one that has highest priority. Uh, next we find, look at the, uh, now that we have many different basic data structures in our hand, including the queues, priority queues, binary search trees, we have to do something more with these, uh, with these data structures. So the question is how to augment the data structures. We have the basic stuff, that is the textbook stuff, and then sometimes we need to do something on top of those uh, structures. Uh, and then another example of uh, sort of like an algorithmic problem which is called union find, uh, deals with the sets, sets of elements that are disjoint, and you ask a membership query, like, uh, like into which set I have this key, just tell me which set it belongs to. And uh, the, the why we do this is that if you ask for from two elements which sets they belong to, you want to figure out are they already in the same set, or are they in disjoint sets? And if they are in disjoint, then we do the union. After that, these elements will be in the same set and all the other elements that were in those sets. Uh, so we look a little bit at this uh, uh, question. And this will be used um, in, uh, um, in different algorithms later. We can use this kind of uh, 
elementary operations. And then we move on to heaps. Priority cubes are uh, implemented, uh, you know, the binary heap, but then we move to other types of heaps that uh, allow some, some operations to be faster, like merging two large heaps together. Okay, so this is the plan for today. And uh, uh, let's start with this priority queue with, as uh, created by binary heap. So we already discussed this actually. Uh, so I will uh, jump over faster. But the, the bottom line is this is an abstract data type. We have a collection of data. We insert new x to the data with a, some key. But we retrieve from this queue the x such that its value is largest or highest priority. It could be the largest value, the smallest value. What, what do we want to have? Max heap, min heap. But the highest priority value is what we want to have. The use, of course, is uh, in all kinds of heuri uh, greedy heuristics. When you have many options to look at, you greedily want to start from the most promising one, the highest priority to you, in some sense. So most of the greedy heuristic type algorithms have to use uh, such priority queue implementations. Okay, of course you can do the sorted list implementation. You have elements sorted. The first one is the highest priority. The last one is, is the least priority. You fetch the first one in constant time, all the time. But when you insert the element, you would have to put it into the correct place. Right? Therefore, if it's just a linked list, you take linear time. If it's a skip list, maybe logarithmic time is enough. Or you could use the uh, binary search tree. But in binary search tree, the access to the first element is not constant time. You would have to go down the leftmost path to the first element, right? So that is logarithmic operation. So of course we can already implement this in, in many different ways, but the one that you um, that we are going to look in here is binary heap, that is a binary tree, the complete tree, uh, meaning that whenever we add elements, we have to go to the next free slot in here. So this right child of nine, left child of six, right child of six, left child of four, right child of four. But the order that we require in here is that the topmost element has to have the highest priority. So that whenever you have the access to tree root, that contains the element with the highest priority. And therefore, fetching the element is, looking it up is constant time because you already have the pointer to that. But deletion, if you delete this, then how do you update this? If you delete this, um, then uh, you have to find the next highest priority element into, the, into this tree top. Um, and uh, of course, then it's, uh, in this case, 20 should be there, but you are not allowed to make empty slot in here instead of the six, right? You delete 25, you promote 20, you promote six, but you can't leave the empty space in here. 
because 3 has to have this structure. Uh, therefore, what happens is that you, when you delete, you always have to delete this one. So you remove, you delete, and then you bubble down value 7, promoting the larger value top. 20 goes top, 7 is there, 7 is larger than 6, and 4, 7 stays in there. So this is the principle of binary heap, and, and the, why it's so nice is that we can implement this data structure without any pointers. Right? We have a tree, but we store the tree just in the array without showing any relationship for a node to its left or right child. So the relationship to left and right child is done by this uh, uh, consecutive storage, and for any node, like third node, its children will be in positions 6 and 7, 2i plus 1, 2i and 2i plus 1. So 20's children are in positions 6 and 7, they are 6 and 4 respectively. So you don't need to store the uh, pointers. And then, as, as I discussed, this structure then, of course, when you start adding elements in the array, they implicitly appear, fill in these positions as needed. Right? So we only insert and delete to the end and delete from there, and our tree structure is all the time very rigid. So you insert it there, but the heap property may get violated, therefore we have to uh, restore the heap property, and we have to make sure that this is not larger than its parent. If it is, then we promote, because that was smaller than the parent, we don't need to care about this part, we promote, promote, and 19 stays instead of 18. Uh, so 19 goes to instead of 18. 18 uh, goes down, 9 goes down. So this, this is after the insertion. And uh, uh, we store everything in array. So how do we store? We know where the last element is stored. We have the in the C syntax, this is pointed to the integer. Uh, so we know where the last one is. We increment the, uh, this um, bookkeeping of the array because the next position is where we have to insert something and we insert x in the new last position and then we just bubble up the value if needed. Bubble up looks at the parent uh, as long as we are not off the root, we compare to the parent. If the value is larger, then we swap and we con uh, continue from there. So it's very simple uh, code. Delete. We want to delete this one, but of course this one has to go off. Therefore we have to promote 7 in top and bubble it down. It's kind of opposite. But bubbling down, you have to compare always the left and right children a child, which one is larger, so you bubble it down. Um, so all these operations um, you already know, and the cost 
of insertion is logarithmic bubble down. Sorry, logarithmic bubble up. You insert to the lead, new lead, and you bubble it up. You delete, you delete from the root, but you put the leaf node to the root and bubble it down. It's also logarithmic uh, time because the depth of the tree is logarithmic. It's very well balanced. Therefore, every operation will cost uh, logarithmic time in here. Now, this gives us another another sorting algorithm. If we maintain the heap in the array, and uh, let's just uh, have all the values. Well, this is in the middle of the heap sort, so the sorted values are here. Um, the from the blue region, the largest value is the root. So to get it sorted, the largest value has to go to the rightmost location. So we delete it. We free up this space, bubble that down, and we put this one in this location. That was the largest, and the green, because all the larger elements are there, the, this new pink element, uh, so, sorry, this, this one gets free, and that was the largest, we promoted it there. Therefore, the green area remains sorted, and uh, we can decrease the heat by one. Right? So, if we have initial heap and just start moving the largest element to the end, largest element to the end, largest element to the end, we have a sorting algorithm. Every operation took logarithmic time. We have n elements, we, you could just throw them into the heap one by one, logarithmic time, and then n times we have to fetch the largest element, n log n, removals and we have the sorting algorithm that is guaranteed all the time and log n which was optimal right uh, now uh, the next challenge the way how I would challenge you is is when you look at the heap property, then it, this is not a fully sorted state, right? It's only sort of like semi-sorted. On every path, we have this sorted order, right? It's partially sorted. On, on every, on every uh, single path, we have the heap property, but things are not fully sorted. Um, this seems to be a little bit simpler than full sort, right? Because we don't have the same full sorted situation. The question is, if we throw in n elements in the beginning, can we get into this state quicker than uh, n log n? Inserting one element at a time at logarithmic cost is n times log of n. But the question is, can we do it quick, uh, uh, faster? Because the, it's not as sorted as full sorted. 
Seems that nobody knows the answer. Or have you have you met this kind of question before? Out of hand elements, how to how to create uh, in the heap sort? We need to start with the we need to create the heap, the blue one, and then we can just sort it. But the question is, could we get the heap structure built quicker than n log n? Any ideas? In a way, at least we have to find the small, uh, the, the, the maximal element anyway, because that has to go to the top of the heap for sure, right? And then on any path, we have some solvents. This is, at least we know that implicitly this corresponds to the tree structure, right? It corresponds to the tree structure such that if we think of this uh, bottom uh, subtree as a leaf element, as the smallest possible heap that has just one element. That has the heap property, right? So you could say that if this is a, a nice 2 to the power of n times of number so half of the elements that are leaves, in this trip, half of the elements are leaves, and n minus 1, well, if, if this is n, if this is m, m leaves, then there is m minus 1 internal nodes. So half of them are already having this key property, right? So you can say that let's not touch them at all. What do we need to do to create a larger at the bottom of the tree. So these elements that are, this is n half, these elements that are one quarter of the elements, these are the roots of the three node trees. Their children will be somewhere in here and there, right? How do we make this one as a heap? This has to be the largest value, but we don't know if that property is, is valid, right? So we bubble this value down. 
the bottom of this side and down. How many comparisons do we need to do? We just have two children, we compare which one is the larger, promote that to the top, and one small, possibly, right? So we have just height. Um, well, this, this tree has height too, right? The root and its, its children. Uh, and we may need to do just a single uh, step bubbling down the ladder. Now, now we know that uh, the node in here with its two children is 18. And its brother with its children is also a small t. So when we look at the next uh, parent of these two, this doesn't have the heat property necessarily, right? We just bubble it up. In here we have one step down, in here we have one two steps down, uh, in here we have one two three steps down, So three times uh, n over eight, n over two to the power of three elements that need to be bubbled down three steps. And uh, this will become something like uh, um, i is from one step to Maximally is logarithmic number of steps, and uh, I'm not sure if I have it fully correct, but we need to do i steps down for n over 2 to the power of i, elements, something like that. What is the value of this sum? It's not the average period choke that I have been making. It's not n over 2, n over 4, n over 8, etc. Because there is this i in there. It's larger, right? But how much larger? This element we have to have three times. And uh, the next one for when we have two divided by two to the power of four, that we have to have four for these you have to do four steps down in bubble down. Yeah? Maybe it's log n times log n. Log n times log n. But that's less than linear. That means that you don't even touch all the elements. So, so, um, so this is what I describe in here, and I think we have roughly. Well, in here I have this. Uh, yeah, I thought that I made some mistake. So maybe it's. 
to the 3 plus 1 in here. But, uh, but this is... Uh, it depends now how, how, how many... what the i is and, uh, and how many elements, how, how many steps. Yes, this is n over 4 elements and we do only one step down. So, for i1 is uh, uh, 1 times n over 2 to the power of i plus 1. Yes, in here it has to be 2 to the power of 4, and here it has to be 2 to the power of 5. So that is more correct. Uh, so how, how do we write this up? Well, one way is... Uh, um, Three times this has to appear. Uh, four times uh, this has to appear. So if you write this sum in this way, that one over four, this is one sort of sum, and one over four appears twice. One over eight appears three times. One over sixteen appears four times, etc. So this sum plus this sum plus this sum plus this sum, and therefore we have to add these values in here. Each one is a normal sum, so half plus half of the remaining plus half of the remaining plus half of the remaining, we sum up to one, this is half, sorry, this is quarter plus half of the remaining to half, this sums at, at one uh, half, and in here, of course, the sum in here will be two. So this sum will have the 2n Because there is less and less and less elements that need to do slightly more work. The less and less and less, this is exponentially increasing, and the amount of work is increasing very slowly. I is increasing, the number of steps is, yes, it's going to be logarithmic log of n, but we don't, uh, that doesn't matter too much because uh, the sum will be still bounded by a constant. So, in this procedure, if we just need to bubble down quarter elements once, one-eighth element potentially twice, one-sixteenth element uh, potentially three times, we have the linear time uh, heatify algorithm. You throw in n elements, but you can, in linear time, build the heat out of them. So if we can build heap instead of n log n in linear time, then we still can fetch n times the max priority element and have linear plus n log n time algorithm for sorting. For sorting. Is this okay? Now, uh, there is uh, and, and, and also this is a very compact, yeah? Um, we store everything in array, we don't store any auxiliary information, we don't need two arrays, we don't need any pointers, we just do small multiplications, 
additions, divisions, and especially when you do it in integer space, then you could even just shift by one to get multiplication by two, shift by one to the to the left, so to, sorry, to, to shift uh, to to shift by one to get rid of the least significant bit. You have the integer division, etc. So. Uh, Everything seems really good, doesn't it? It's, it's definitely linear time to build the heap, heapify, and n log n to fetch the elements, and uh, uh, therefore get the sorted output. If you need to, uh, to do the sorting, of course you can do something else with the value. You don't need to put them at the end of the array. Now, for the next week, I ask you to read one paper that says that all this that professors tell to you is sort of like full of bad. It's too theoretical. Um, and uh, you should read this paper with a good thought. It's all about the same binary heap, but it's against this. Do you have any idea what, what might be the problem with, with this in here? Sorry? Maybe it's not efficient on a real machine. That's the thing. It's a real man talking to against the professors. Real architectures have a problem that access to memory, like in here, is relatively slow. And you can cache only part of this. And in here you can see that these jumps are all over the place. And you have to fetch into the cache from different regions of the memory. And therefore he proposes some other way of storing the heap. But somehow trying to make sure that these tiny heaps are... Wherever you look... In this larger tree, there is a smaller one that is also a tree, like it, like a small heap in here. That all these small heaps should be close to each other in the in the memory. Okay, but but you should you should read that uh, paper and discuss that in the in the practice session. It's 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 a nice thing to do. Uh, okay, so we have uh, uh, theoretical methods where we prove uh, that the, the, some things work nicely, that how, may, how much time does it take to heapify. Uh, we still saw about only about in the terms of trees. Heapify bubble down, bubble down is just making the smaller heaps, uh, making them into larger ones. And we therefore have the, the method that can have the priority queue or the heap sort. And because of the priority queue, this data structure is, data structure is very important. Uh, okay, uh, now we 
we look at augmenting data structures. So our basic data structures offer the basic set of operations. But for example, when we want something extra, like uh, we have been already discussing this order statistics for certain element, what is its rank in the entire data? Or for certain rank, k, fetch me the kth value. We, we had this discussion in the when we did the binary search or quicksort type uh, algorithms. But now that the data is uh, dynamically added, like in the binary search tree, we can implement sets which can take insertions and deletions, dynamically grow or decrease. How do we how do we add the feature of of asking what is the order statistics? case value in the data, or vice versa, for element ask what is its rank. You ever thought about this? So we take, in order to do this, kind of add certain new abstract data type sort of functions, right, the, the new uh, operation that we want to perform on the data. The basic implementation supports some, meta, uh, some operations, and now we want to have new operations. So we need to do something on top of the existing data structure. So we look at the dynamic order statistics, and also, uh, therefore, we conclude sort of general methodology, and then one example is interval trees. An interval is uh, Interval of time, for example, with a start and end uh, period, and lots of intervals, and uh, fetch everything that is overlapping with some query interval. So, dynamic or, uh, order statistics is select me if the find me the ith element in the set, or for a particular element, give me what is its rank, uh, where does it stand, so that i minus what is the rank of uh, x, yeah, so that uh, the rank k or i, that k minus 1 elements is before, and n minus k minus 1 is to the right. No, n minus k is to the right. Now, because we already established that red-black trees is a ni nice way to store uh, dynamic sets, in binary search three, then the way how we augment that, uh, we take that as a basis, and the way how we augment is that, uh, in addition to the key, we add to the node the integer field that tells how big the subtree is, how big is the entire subtree under this node. So this thing we add to the data structure. What does it uh, give us? It, it, in, this, in here, the binary search tree is on the alphabetic letters uh, A, C, D, F, H, M, N, P, Q. But we add uh, size of the subtree, nine letters, nine elements in the set total, five in this subtree, three in this subtree, three in this subtree, and every leaf node has subtree of size one. Uh, Nine in here, of course, it has to be add up 
the size of the left subtree plus size of the right subtree plus one in here. Right? So the size of any node you can ask from children, their sizes add that one. Uh, okay, and then some implementation tricks usually sort of like instead of these null pointers from there, making some case that there is a null pointer, just some, uh, it would be nice to have some dummy link or node in here. You may just introduce a new node that has subtree size zero so that every time it will work, it will fetch the subtree size. You don't need to worry about that in the code, but in practice, um, it, you can do some trick to make the code easier. Now, if we have the tree like this, how do you find the kth element in there? If k is, would be 10, of course this is impossible because there is only 9 elements in here, right? If k is uh, 3, then the left subtree holds 5 elements, Therefore, the third one has to be within the left subtree, right? If k is uh, 7, then there is 5 subtree, 5 elements on the left, plus 1, this is the 6th. The 7th has to be the first one in this subtree. So you can, for k, depending if this is smaller than, the, well, we know the rank of this node by subtree plus 1. If we look for a particular k sixth element, we know that we have found it. m is the sixth in here, because it's 5 plus 1, the sixth. If we look for k that is smaller, then we go to the left subtree and keep looking for kth element. If we uh, observe that k is larger than 6, say uh, 8, then we go to the right subtree, but now we can't look for 8 value. Instead, we have to look for value rank. We already passed 6 in here, we looked for 8 value, we know that we have passed over 6 values, therefore we have 2 to go. 8 minus 2, oh, sorry, 8 minus 6 is 2. So it, when we go to the right subtree, now we have to look for the second largest value. Um, so if we hit the root that is the case, then we have found it. Uh, if i is, is smaller than, sorry, here, i is smallest element, k is the rank of the root. If we looked for something that is rank-wise smaller than the rank of the root, then we go to the left subtree, keep looking for i element. If the i that we are looking for is larger than the k element, then we go to the right subtree and we we have passed k elements, therefore we should look for i minus k element in here. Simple, right? Uh, and of course, on the top of this, you could uh, you could have a look. Uh, if you, if I put the pointer in here, what is its rank in the entire data structure? You have to go up to the subtrees and then uh, figure it out. Uh, fifth element. 
of course, we have to go to the left and then look for five, fifth element in the left subtree. Ultimately, it has to be this element in here. Because looking for five, now we have passed two. From this subtree, we look for third value. We have passed two, and from this subtree, we look for first value. And we have found this is the first value in this subtree. So you just walk down the tree, and therefore we have a logarithmic time lookup for the kth value. Uh, why do we need to keep the size in here? Why don't we say that this is the sixth value? Because when we insert something in here, then all these ranks would change. And it would be terribly hard to update those. So the size is something that is just dependent on the particular subtree. You don't want to make the data structure very, when you insert, you have to update the entire data structure, all the elements. When you insert, you just update locally the sizes on the, if you, if we are inserting new elements, then we know that the subtree of, well, instead of 9, we will have 10, instead of 5, we will have 6, etc. Right? You just update it once. This is one question. Uh, when we update, it's easier to maintain. But you haven't asked the question, how do we make sure that this tree keeps uh, balance over the dynamic operations? I sort of said that we would use red flag tree, but how do we rebalance? Don't we break anything um, in the binary search tree when we introduce this concept? So this one inserts updates the size is 10, 6, 4, 2, 1, right? Red, um, I'm not sure if this is, no, this is just insertion part. It doesn't show the exact uh, red, black tree in here. But imagine that there would be red, black uh, nodes, right? And we may violate the red, red property. There are, what type of operations did we have for red black trees? We had two. One was just repaint the color of the nodes, push it higher, and the other was rotate. When you repaint the nodes, what will happen to the tree structure? Nothing. The tree sizes remain the same. You just can do that. Right? So the only operation that we need to care about is rotation. Rotation in any location, like in here, this is an example of a single rotation when you have the subtree of size 7 and 3, and therefore this entire subtree is 11, right? 11 plus 4 plus 1 is 16. If you want to rotate, so these subtrees don't change size, right? The original subtrees don't change uh, size. The root still has the same size. So the only value that we have to look at is this one. So we promote that to the root, and we know that it has to contain 16. We promote this, uh, we push this down. Now we ask 3 plus 4 plus 1 is 8. And we have updated the three sizes, subtree sizes. So you can apply rotation 
and update the, the tree subtree sizes. So rotation is still constant time because updating the subtree sizes is also just a constant time operation. Therefore, we can apply red black insert, red black delete, all these operations, and we have logarithmic time uh, data structure that also supports the rank uh, operations. So we took uh, now the entire methodology of, of augmentation. We had order statistic tree, so we just choose one of the basic data structures. In this case, we said that we will use red, we will try to use red like trees. We added some extra information on top of the normal data structure. In this case, we added subtree sizes. Now we just needed to make sure that we can apply the normal data operations on the, on the red black trees and maintain this extra information. We can apply the rotations and repainting. We can apply the red black tree operations and we can maintain the subtree sizes while doing so. And we have the new algorithms that find me the order statistics select me the kth or ith order value and rank of a particular element in that data structure. So four steps, choose the data structure, add some information, make sure that you can apply the, uh, maintain this operation, uh, maintain this information when you do normal operations and then apply some new uh, algorithms on top of the new information. Simple rules, right? And now we come to this interval tree example. A little bit more complicated. Intervals have the start and then time. There can be many. In project management, you will have the, some uh, start and end dates, for example, lots of different things that will happen in parallel, and you suddenly comes in a new holiday with a start and end hour time, and you ask which things will get distorted. Right? Maybe that uh, project management is a bad example, but in Geographic information systems, uh, all these you can ask which segments overlap with my interval. Okay. We have a collection of intervals and fetch me everything that it, uh, overlaps with my interval. Okay. We don't have the same start time, we don't have the same end time, we just ask anything overlapping with interval. Uh, okay, so this is the task, and how do we make the data structure that solves, uh, supports these kinds of queries, overlap queries? Um, we are going to do sort of interval tree or segment tree, um, and uh, how we do, do that, we again, of course, use the binary search tree, but now we have the interval instead of a single value. It's almost like KD3 had two x and y coordinate, and here we have 
start and end time point. We have the interval that we need to store in a single node. Uh, so we, we will build the binary search tree containing inter, uh, intervals. How do we know when to go to the left or to the right? Because it has start and end point. So we make it simple. If the start point is earlier, that should go to the left. If the start point is later, that should go to the right. So we have interval, interval with the start and end point, but we uh, only look at the start point, whether starts earlier or starts later. That is the binary search tree property, right? Extra information in here that we used to have binary search about subtree size. Now, instead of the size, we want to store the maximal end time point of the entire subtree. So there are many end intervals represented in the subtree with this root, and we want to store what is the latest what is the latest endpoint of any interval under this subtree? Uh, so this is the example. These are intervals 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 intervals. 5, 11, 4, 8, 7, 10, 15, 18, etc. So 17, 19 is the root. 5 is smaller than 17. 4 is smaller than 5. 15 is larger than 5. 7 is larger than 5, smaller than 15. Yeah, we have the binary search tree property on the, on the start time points. And the extra information is the latest endpoint of the all intervals in this subtree. Well, this happens to finish latest, right? 18. This is 23 because this is the larger value of 18, 19, and 23. Like in here, 18 is largest of the three values, 8, 11, and 18. If we, instead of 17, 19, if that would be 17, 25, that would still be in here, right? But this 23 would be 25, because 25 finishes later than 23. Intervals can start and end at any time. So this is an example of this data structure. At least you can insert that, you can throw in the values in this, right? Um, locally, you can quite easily update, you, you, you could already think of this binary search tree properties, how to keep this balanced. Uh, Repainting of the nodes does not uh, affect the structure of the tree, nor any of the values. When you rotate, you can maintain the binary search tree property and uh, updating the la latest uh, values again. Entire subtree will have all the same intervals, so 23 is the latest, and then in the left subtree and the right subtree you just update uh, these uh, maximal time points uh, by, this, uh, by these procedures. You take the maximum from the left subtree, from the right subtree, and compare if your particular interval in that node doesn't have the larger value. So we can apply rotations again 
So 30 remains 30 there in the top. If this subtree has 30, then everything is, is in, in order. We don't need to fix anything in there. Uh, this one, 14, well, this and this will be subtrees uh, sub of, of, of this one. And therefore, that one will last latest, latest, and compare it to 15. Uh, maximum of 14, 15, and 19 is 19. So we can rotate. Therefore, we can apply the binary, this red black tree. We can do these uh, insertions, deletions, and we benefit from the fact that there is just a single or constant time rotation. And all the rest is repainted. But now, can we find the overlapping? regions in this data structure. How do we find overlapping regions? We just say that we throw the data in into this kind of data structure. But we haven't said anything about how do we find overlapping regions. The interval search, you have the interval i with the its start and end point. And this is how we find one overlapping region. We start from the tree root, if the pointer is not null. If the start point is later than highest finishing time of the any interval in the subtree, then i starts later than anything in my subtree, therefore it can't overlap. Sorry. No. <laughs> Forget this. Uh, first test is for interval, does it overlap with the root, the interval at the root, right? Interval at the root, we have one query, we just want to find, does it overlap or not? We only look at the root. If it overlaps, then we have one answer, and we can return it immediately. It does not overlap with the root if it starts after the root's interval has finished, or if it uh, ends before the interval at the root has started. So this is interval in the root. If this one finishes, and this is the example of the queries, if this one finishes before the root starts, then this interval starts, then it can't overlap with the root. If it begins after this point, it will not overlap. All these other options are possible. Is fully within this, is starts before and after, or start, overlaps one time point from the left or from the right. So we eliminated red cases in here. Um, if, if we eliminate the red cases, then we return x because that had overlap, one of the, these uh, three cases of the overlap. Uh, then we have found the overlap. Then it's, everything is good. But the question is what to do with the case uh, that is either there or there. Notice that even if, if this is later than this interval in here, 
This represents the entire subtree. There could be some interval that starts after this point, but goes way beyond there. Right? It could have the on the left subtree, it could have something that starts earlier, right? Starts earlier, but extends long, long time. So that could overlap with something that is either on the right subtree or something that is on the left subtree. The one that has finished... Okay, so that is kind of the problem. But we know at least this maximal value. We have the entire subtree in here, and we know what is the latest time point of any interval in this subtree. If this, if this one, the latest time point, finishes earlier than this one starts, then there is no way to find anything in the subtree, right? In, at least on the left subtree, sorry, in the left subtree. We can look at the left subtree. If we can't find anything from there, we have to go to the right. So the algorithm is, uh, first, first we observe that it doesn't overlap with the root. <coughs> if left subtree exists, our search interval starts before the latest interval finishes in the left subtree, then we go left. In here. If our search interval starts before any interval finishes in here, then we go left. Other, uh, otherwise, we go right. And now we have to sort of figure out the correctness of this algorithm that defines the overlapping regions, uh, doesn't miss. Because we either go to the left or right. I claim that we, we can decide immediately should we go to the left or to the right. But if you look at this example, how can we be so sure that it doesn't happen on both sides, the overlaps? Actually, there is a little bit of trick. Uh, we only look for, uh, this algorithm only looks for one overlap. If we can find the one overlap, then what we can do is we can report that. We can delete it for time being and then ask, is there still something that overlaps? overlaps. And then you can find the second overlap. Delete it, find the third one. Um, and ultimately we should find everything that overlaps. Okay, so this is, uh, this, is this interval 3 example. Um, if you look for search tree for 1416, 1416 uh, does not overlap with the root, that is 1719. But uh, 16, uh, 14 begins before the latest event finishes in the left subtree. Because 14 is less than 18, we go left in here. We look at this value. We go left. Now 14, 16, and 5, 11 do not overlap. 14 that we are looking for 
starts after 8, so there is nothing in the left subtree, there can't be anything in the left subtree, therefore we go to the right. Now we again look 14, 16, and we observe 14, 16 actually overlaps with 15, 18, and then we return one hit. 15, 18 overlaps with 14, 16. Twelve fourteen does not overlap. Twelve is less than eighteen. We go left as in the beginning. Uh, now twelve fourteen and five eleven do not overlap. Twelve is larger than eight, therefore we have to go to the right. Twelve fourteen. 12 is larger than 10, we should go to the right. There is nothing in there, therefore there is no interval that overlaps with 12, 14. There is no interval that overlaps 12, 14. We went left and we observed that. Could we have found something from the right subtree in this case? And why, why is that? Because it's already determined if the root is in the beginning. 12, 14, 14 is going to... What did we compare? We looked at... Uh, because 12 started before 18, we went to the left. Because of 12, we went left. But what if this 14 would have been, say, 23? We still would have gone left. We only looked at this 12 and compared that this is smaller than 18, therefore we went left. We didn't look at the high-end value here. So 12.23 would certainly have overlapped in here. So how do we analyze this situation? Had this been, not 12, 14, had this been, say, um, uh, 20, then you, we would have said that, oh, everything is finished in here by time point 18, therefore there could not have been any overlap, we would have gone to the right. But now we, just based on the starting point, we went to the left. And I claim that uh, what if this would be 23? We would have found overlapping here, but we went left. Now the tricky thing is in here that 
they should prove that in that case, we should have also found something in here. Look at 1223, of course, 1518 would overlap. Right? We would have found this one. But how do we know? In order to prove this, we, we should somehow build the proof that if we go left, if we find something, that's fine. We, we just care about one, at least one finding. But the question is, we could have missed something from the right. If we wouldn't find anything in here, that is a problem. If we would not find anything in here, could we still have found something from the right? And it turns out that if we make the conclusion that we go to the left, then either we find uh, from there, then we don't care about the right side, or if we don't find, we could not have overlapped anything from, from the right either. So our example 1214, we didn't find it in here. And okay, in this example, indeed, 1214 would not overlap anything in there either. Right? But we have to build that proof somehow. Uh, so, how the search would uh, perform, we go down the tree, we find, report, delete. We do the search again, we find, report, delete. Later we can put them back. Right? But for time being, you find it once, with logarithmic time, you remove, and you do this k times, how many overlaps there is. Uh, so suddenly this uh, time to find one is logarithmic of n, but there is k uh, total number of overlapping intervals, therefore we have to do it k times and insert them back k times. So this k is now the number of overlaps and we don't know that in advance, and k is actually the output size. We report k overlaps, and that's why it's output sensitive. So the time is now depends how big the answer is. How big the answer is, that many times we do the operations, the log n operations. So this algorithm achieves this k log n time performance, but uh, there are better algorithms that is logarithm of n to find the first one and then report all the k elements log of n plus output size k. But we are still stuck with this, uh, we are stuck with this uh, interval search tree in here. So we need to prove the correctness. If the search goes right, then the overlaps in the left subtree would be empty. There would not be anything, right? We sort of argued that already. But the question is, if the search goes left, then we either find, or if we don't find, if there is no overlaps in the left subtree, the overlap size is empty, there is no region that overlaps on the left subtree, from that we can conclude that also from the right subtree we would not have found anything. So this is a little bit of the tricky part. Uh, Okay, so are, are, we, are we fine with this part? If, uh, if the search goes right, there could not have been overlaps in the left. When did we go to the right? Was the case when 
intervals started after all intervals had ended in the left subtree. You could not overlap. Then we just went right. So that is uh, kind of all the intervals finish in here, and we have something that starts later, we, we just go right. That part is easy. But now we have to somehow figure out the situation that this point, point marks the end point, the latest end point of this subtree, right? With this interval, we check that there is no overlap, right? If there would be, we would report it immediately. Now we care about the left subtree, the latest time point in there. Uh, um, and it could be some interval that actually started early on, right? It could be somewhere rather early on started, long interval. So we just care about this latest endpoint. We went to the left if interval start before this time point. Yeah? This was the interval in here, and we uh, all the intervals that start before this time point are there. So therefore, they start early, and one of those ends quite late. So in the right subtree, this one starts after this root that goes to the right. And indeed, there could be some overlap between the left and right side. But now we have to conclude that once we go to the left, once we decide to go to the left, either we find one of these intervals that, uh, for, we, for which we have it, uh, overlap, or we don't find anything. When we went left, it must have uh, started before uh, this time point. So, uh, must have started before this end time point. So it could be either on the left side from this one or overlapping this. It can't overlap this because we would have found it. Either it fits in there or somewhere in there. And uh, we need to somehow figure out all the cases, what are the possible overlaps, and uh, observe that if it falls somewhere in between, it doesn't overlap with any region, it could not have extended beyond this time point to this right subtree either. The earliest thing starting in the right subtree has to start after this time point in here. Right? So basically, um, we should not, if, if it falls somewhere in here, it doesn't overlap with anything, it could not extend uh, beyond this, uh, this time point into the right subtree. see. If we go to the left and there is no overlapping region, then our interval started before the latest one uh, finished in the left subtree. Uh, that is uh, the high time point of some j in that left subtree. Since our query did not overlap with this one, therefore 
for our query, the endpoint should be also lower than the starting point of this one that extended further, latest, right? So if you go to the, le to the left and it doesn't overlap, it actually has to start before this time point. So now we have to sort of make this one smaller and see whether it could fit in there, right? And if, if we go left, we have to be not overlapping to the left side, therefore it could not have extended over this position into the right subtree, and if we fall in between, we don't find anything, there is no way that we could have found it from the right subtree either. So this is kind of argumentation. Every year I teach the same thing, year after year after year, I have to pay like half an hour at least to try to figure out kind of cases in here. So it really takes some time to, for you to sit behind the paper and look through the cases. Okay, but, but this was the, uh, this was the um, a little bit more complicated example where we take the, one of the existing data structures, red flag three, red flag search three. We apply the red flag search three on the start time point of the intervals. Therefore, therefore, we know exactly where every interval ends up, and we maintain the latest time point of that subtree. And with this trick, we can actually implement the interval search three, find one overlapping region. And if we want to find all, we just delete it and ask for the next one until we don't find anything. And then we put it back. But there are better algorithms. So that was just to illustrate that you can take the basic, basic, basic data structure and augment it with new features. Next is we augment or we actually merge the two cases together. We have the binary search trees and heaps. What if we require both properties to be filled? So we take binary search tree and heap and make tree heap joint data structure, tree. This is the illustration, you will figure it out immediately. So it has two properties. It has binary search tree property on the, on the, blue, uh, on the blue numbers. So 10 is smaller than 12. 2, 10, 11, 12, 15, 17, 19 is the order of the values. And we have the priority key value on top of there. And by priority you have heap order 26, 18, 3. 26, 19, 14. 6, 19, 12. So the heap property on the pink pentagons is also maintained. Now, yes, you, we can... You can't use the same blue value, you can't make the highest value top and the next one is next, but then you would have just a uh, list, right? We have the, the tree with two keys, one is priority, the other is uh, the search tree key, and the highest priority is always on the top. 
Therefore, you could have access to highest priority value from the, from the data structure, or you could insert new keys with new pro uh, properties in here. And still, for the key, you can locate it. In the, in the heap case, you can't find the key. It's somewhere in the heap. But with the blue key, you can find it from the data structure following the binary search tree property. Right? Now, how do we, how do we make operations in here? Insert, let's insert a new key, 18, and priority 20. So let's think 18 should go to the right, but 20, the priority, tells it that 20 should be the root of this subtree, because it, 20 will be higher than 19. 20 should float at the top in here. 12, 18, 20, 12, 18, 20 stays in here, and therefore we have to break these three nodes uh, out, then we have the new one in here, and we 20 will, 19 will be, but well, 17 that we need to delete uh, or sort of free up has to go to the to the left from 18. So 17 will go there, and since it 19 is higher by higher higher priority than 14, we just inserted it to the left in here. Everything is maintained underneath. 19 is larger than 18, it goes to the right, and the priority 2 is smaller than 20, therefore everything is fine in here. We can insert, but the, pri uh, but the priority value in here, you start moving down the search tree until the priority tells, stop. This is where you have to insert it. And then you reconstruct re construct the subtrees because you, you just add this one node and either it will go to the left or to the right or it has two children uh, in here node and left child will go to the left and the previous right child will go to the right uh, it, it is not as balanced anymore as it was on the previous picture. But the priority told us where to insert that node. Right? You can follow me. Yeah. Now, we can insert by binary search 3 and stop at the moment when the priority tells this node has to end up in there. And then we can fix the pointers and make the tree after the insertion to follow both properties of binary search tree and the heap property. When you delete, usually you want to take the highest priority element out. In this case, this is this one, right? We know that the next root has to be the next highest priority. This one has to be the new root. The right side remains as a right side because these values are larger by blue key and smaller by pink key. So this, this part is fine. But in here, now we have to do something with these two, right? 
It's like in here, we deleted the node and had to do something with this. This is the new root, and we have two nodes, and we have to do something with this. So you can uh, recursively go uh, lower in here. Um, 19 is larger, that has to be on the top. And turns out that 17 and 14, well, 17, both 10 and 15 are smaller than 17. So we still had to do something in here, but we can recursively fix everything and make the binary search tree that satisfies both the heap property and the binary search tree property. So 11 goes left, left, right, left, down there. Um, where do the priorities and keys come from? Of course, you could think of the oh, priority something that you put as a priority by some uh, by some uh, meaningful way. The job priority in the operating system, or 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 the for the greedy heuristic, the, the most promising case. But the other way is also to think that priority is given by random process. If the priority is given by random process, then you have the binary search tree. We know where to insert the value. But the priority tells whether we should insert closer to the root or closer to the leaves. If the priority comes by random number generator, then the tree structure will be, on average, pretty well balanced. So if it's entirely random process, then the tree will be, on average, random-looking tree that tend to, tends to be uh, behaving like a balanced tree. So this is a, another way to balance the binary search tree, by just putting in random priorities. In this case, you would only care about the search tree property and the priority would be just there to give the structure of the tree, nothing else. For a, set, for a certain set of keys that are unique and associated random priorities, you have exactly one tree that fits both of these properties. But the, but the priorities were given randomly. So, uh, we deleted one, yeah, and then you can delete the, uh, take, fetch the highest priority keys. When you delete this one, you can fix the structure um, quite easily. So we took two data structures, merged them together, and made the tree out of them. This is something I need to stress all and over again. You can understand these once you have the basics. The simple things have to be granted for you. Right? And then you can think how to combine them together. There is no excuse studying only the complex part if you don't understand the simple part consistently. Okay. Uh, um, and now we have uh, not too much time left, therefore I have to do a very quick um, 
job on this one, on the union fine. Uh, union find is uh, well, well, each one of you could be one element of a of a of a set. Huh? We have n elements, and uh, let's start making teams by merging together some individuals. Like you two merge together, you will form a team, and then we will another team. And another one. Teams of two. But now you say that I want to pair up with that person over there. Therefore, for you, we need to know which team you belong to, which team you belong to, and we want to do the union of the two. We don't want to break the teams up. We just are going to merge the teams together. What happens when, when, uh, well, you can imagine the teams get larger and larger, and then you there say that, oh, but you want to collaborate with him in the same team. But then you figure out, oh, but you are already are in the same team. Right? So this is the, the uh, find, are you in the same team or not? Which set you belong to? If you belong to the same set, then you don't need to do anything. If you are belonging to the disjoint sets, then let's merge them. Is this setting union find setting clear? Uh, it will be sort of equivalence classes. These mathematical formulas are equivalent to each other, and these are equivalent to each other. Once you find, oh, but these and these are equivalent to each other, therefore, all that are equivalent in here, all that are equivalent in there, have to be equivalent to each other. So this kind of thing. And now later, more and more elements, so you don't know when you compare. Oh, we are already in the same equivalence class, we don't need to do anything. Oh, oh no, we were in the different ones. Let's merge them together. We get larger and larger sets. But you have to do the lookup fast and merge fast. So, uh, how, do, how do we do this? We need to do lookup very fast and merge very fast. What will happen is that uh, we, had, uh, we started with individual elements that each one corresponds to its own singleton set, single element in one set. Therefore, we know that the sets are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Each one knows my ID. My set ID is 6. And now we merge, when, when, when we merge together 5 and 6, Suddenly, we have to make sure that all of them, for example, have five. Seven and eight 
when they are merged, they both have 7 and 7 IDs. When we merge these together, now we have more elements. This and this should know that they belong to the set number 5. Yeah. And you could take all of these and say that we, they belong to the same set. Therefore, all of these numbers need to be changed to 5. And you need to start changing more and more elements every time. And this is not often. The better way is when we, this one was 5 and this one was 6. So instead of I know my ID, I know my ID, when we merge, then you would say that. Okay, I don't know anymore my ID, but I know that I'm paired with this one. Why don't you ask from my neighbor? And she says, oh, we belong to the set five. And also in here, there is, what was the example, uh, five, six, seven, and eight. This one is merged in there, so we make a small sort of tree. Seven knows this, five knows when we decide to merge these two to that set, what do we need to do? We can say that, okay, I don't know anymore, but why don't we ask from that guy? And you point up there and finally figure out that this is five. We can build a chain in here. Is this simple enough? But this is very slow. How can we make this faster? Why, why did I need to merge with this guy? From where there is a long chain to the lady who knows the answer. Why don't we shortcut directly there? And when we have another set in here, why don't we shortcut this chain in there? Now for every element it's closer, steps closer to ask what set ID I have. Right? This is still slow. How can you do this better? Now I come and ask You seem to be a very active guy, so I ask from you which set you belong to Okay, and then you, we figure out that Ask from there, ask from there, ask from there Five, right? We needed to do, to do these steps to figure out that this is five but you should be prepared that I come back to you and ask, so which set did you belong to? Five. No. You, you immediately that. So once once you figure out that this set belongs to five, why do we have to have this long, maintain this long chain? Why don't we, once we use this 
question, why don't we just shortcut directly to there? And also on the path, each one we direct directly well, in there. And we sort of establish a fat tree with very few steps. Once we fig figure it out once, then we do this. And now when you link to him, he has a quick answer already in the beginning. And next time when we you ask from you, you will be a shortcut not to him, but you will also be a shortcut to the same location. So after the use, the quicker and quicker we can answer the, the, the question. And it's enough to merge. So this has become one very large set, and there is another one having many elements. Still, all that we need to do is point one pointer and build this tree. And it is only one, two hops there. Once you do these two hops once, you forget about this one and make a direct shortcut to there. So, uh, Initial, everybody knows their set ID, 3 and 4 belong, have a set ID 4, so this implements this, this is the value, this is the set ID, uh, in here, 8 belongs to the ask from, uh, let me see, 4, 4, 6, 6, we need to merge the 4s and 6s together, and we either replace everybody into 4, or we make the link, so for for one knows that its set ID is 1, 2 knows its set ID is, is 2, 3 knows that set ID is 3 because the value is there is 0, null pointer, 4 knows that I should ask from 3, and the answer is 3, 8, on the 8th position, ask from the 6, and 6, well, 8 belongs to the 6th set. When we merge, we shortcut the links. Uh, for 6, we don't know anymore, so we shortcut to 4th. So number 4 appears, number 3. So for this one, 6, 4, 3, this long chain. So this is the intermediate step of building the links longer and longer. By simple, a simple link, we make it longer. And then find 6. 3, 4, 3, and once we, we find this, no, uh, once we find the, the location of 6, then you just update shortcut to 3. So these are already shortcut to the third set. Not, not 2, not four, 4, 3, not 1 and 2 hops, but now it's just a single hop there. So we need shortcut. But intuitively there will be 3, uh, and 3 rules will will have the link to the next guy. But the implementation is very, very, you can have it very simple in that array. Uh, so sort of we make the trees very flat, and then we merge and use that the tree will be even flatter, just one layer tree. The, we make the sets, we make unions, we find uh, this repeats the same thing. Oh yeah, 
and we make constant time. Union is alpha of n, find this alpha of n amortized, and what is in here alpha of n is reverse Ackermann's function. So for n, if uh, n would be the answer of the Ackermann's function, then reverse Ackermann is which level recursion it is. Ackermann function is something that proves very, very fast, and in practice, uh, this alpha will be always uh, 4, never 5. I think, yeah, 4 but not 5. Uh, nice illustration, but you can make it. We can make a maze. This is equivalence class. This is now equivalence class joint set. Merging the rooms 11 and 12 made all these corridor uh, accessible on the maze. Uh, adding elements in here, so you can use union find to make sure are you allowed to remove this fall or wall or not. Eight and seven, we are in the, already in the same equivalence class. No reason to remove this wall. There is some way to go from eight to seven. So you can uh, build a maze like this, or like this, or like this. And because we looked through every wall, for any two rooms, we can be absolutely sure that they are either well, that they are in the same equivalence class, but there is some path, and only one path from any point to any other point. There, there is there is a path, and there is just a single path. Uh, so my code is available from this URL. You can change the size of the room and the size of the maze, and you can uh, play around with this. It's uh, small ones are like tiny hieroglyphs. Or uh, from previous years, some implemented the different looking mazes, exactly the same property. To remove the wall are the same in the same connected component or not. So this is very fast to check are they in the same component or not when you use this kind of uh, structure. But uh, we can use now this algorithm later in uh, other uh, algorithms, looking at equivalence relations or connectivity in graphs is are the two nodes uh, connectable through some path that, like in the case of mazes, right? When we make a new connection, suddenly more things will be connectable. Okay, um, I covered all of this on the blackboard. Um, this just uh, gives you some of these uh, hints to the functions and mathematics behind there. Ackermann's function, uh, comparison to something that is simpler, towering, very fast growing functions. I'm not going to, uh, into those. I think the practical thing is that yeah, it basically explains the same thing, just a more more complicated way, and analyzes through the how many shortcuts you will be, be making, and even if once you need to do longer path into a single set. The next time it's already there, so you need to do it very few times overall. Okay, um, 
next we we will look at the more heaps, the heaps that can be merged together. And uh, I think we can manage to start also to start talking about succinct data structures where, like in the case of the binary heap, we didn't present any pointers. So how to make the data structure such that it is minimal, as minimal as possible, without wasting space on pointers, for God's sake. Who needs pointers? How to make the, the data structure, well, some examples of data structures that are minimal, don't waste any extra bit, but still offer some nice uh, properties of the basic uh, features like trees, for example. At the cost that it may, it may be very hard to maintain dynamically. But that's what we look next time. Okay?